Welcome to the D3 Mission Log podcast. I'm Danny Kennedy, and together with Brian Hassin, we'll discuss the journey that our organization, Third Derivative, has taken to boldly build the world's largest climate tech accelerator. Unfortunately, the local partners that we found were much more interested in investing in the rest of the world. Solar, wind power, batteries. It's not going to happen overnight. I'm an impatient entrepreneur. So you're free to go. We need a China strategy. How do they do it? I don't know. That's Happy New Year in Mandarin because this is the first day of the Year of the Ox, a very auspicious year to get to work driving climate solutions in this decisive decade. And so we're here at D3's Mission Log. We're every week trying to bring you an episode of learnings from building the world's largest climate tech accelerator with Brian, who leads the pack at the D3 organization. And this week, we're actually going to discuss what it's like to work with Chinese entrepreneurs and innovators and how we uh, are trying to build that bridge even stronger with the third derivative. Uh, because China, as you know, is the driver of both production and consumption of solar, wind power, batteries, EVs, and so much more in their energy systems as they transition that we really need to um, ride that dragon as it were. So Brian, what have you learned so far about uh, the, the China piece of the puzzle? Yeah, and I guess let's be clear here. This is, we haven't cracked this nut yet. Um, we have great ambitions. No one thinks we're gonna solve climate without China on board. There's incredible innovation happening every day in China. Um, and thus far, we haven't, we haven't found the right way to engage with China for, for several different reasons. Um, as I expressed in a previous episode, you know, we knew that we wouldn't have the cap for legalistic reasons. We, as a, an organization that's um, legally based in the United States, wouldn't have the ability to invest directly into Chinese startups. So we knew it was going to be crucial to find local partners in China to help us. And unfortunately, the local partners that we found were much more interested in investing in the rest of the world. So they didn't really come through for us. Um, one of the takeaways there, and this is another takeaway that we've also learned, uh, Danny, through members of New Energy Nexus, including you know, Andrew, who does the um, China Clean Tech podcast, is how important it is to have kind of boots on the ground um, to really develop and cultivate those local partnerships. And it can take time. It's not going to happen overnight. I'm an impatient entrepreneur. You know, I'm pushing third derivative um, you know, at the pace that is required for uh, to address this challenge. But there's some things that might just take time and developing that those relationships um, locally might might just be one of those. We might have to have a little bit of patience there. I will say also, um, we did have some lost in translation challenges probably as well. We translated a number of our kind of product marketing materials. Um, it, it, we're fortunate half of our team <laughs> basically speaks Mandarin Chinese and writes it well. And we have great partners in New Energy Nexus and RMI. Um, who can also help us get the message out. But one of our takeaways and pieces of feedback that we received is that the, something in the message is lost when we just kind of directly translate. There are cultural differences in the ways that Chinese think about industry and commercialization um, and innovation that just translating our probably kind of North American and Eurocentric mindset didn't really work. So we need to give some much deeper thought to the framing and the way that we present the challenge, the opportunity, et cetera. Great lesson. That's really important just to get some local readers and feedback to get that right. 
that, that's right. And as with all things, we try to have the mindset of a startup ourselves. You know, we're testing things and learning from them and, and adapting. Uh, we also, and this was was pretty obvious from the beginning. You know, we're not going to use the same media to reach Chinese audiences that we would use to reach, you know, North American and, and European audiences. Um, you know, WeChat was obviously a much better medium for us than um, Twitter and, and LinkedIn, and probably there are other ways for us to continue expanding our our China kind of specific approach. But also, you know, when we did reach our our targets, when we did have um, you know good and fruitful conversations with Chinese corporates, um, startups, etc., we just found that the, the needs are different um, and the expectations are different. We have a product that we kind of put together and that has generated a lot of traction with global corporates, but largely corporates that are uh, kind of centered in North America, Europe, Australia. Um, they have different kind of budgetary expectations than than uh, companies in China and different expect different kind of values placed on uh, on the outcomes and the value proposition that we're offering. So, I mean, if I can kind of summarize it all together, it's that we we need a China strategy, um, kind of going at it with a, a little bit of um, an improvisation based on what we've already built or an adaptation based on what we already built hasn't been terribly successful so far. So we're in the process now of stepping back and really thinking through what will it take to establish a really kind of strong working program in China? Will we need to, um, uh, build staff kind of on the ground? Will we need to build other partnerships? Will we need to have an entire kind of separate product category, if you will, um, or separate program within China that's complementary to what we're doing? But whatever we do, it needs to be thoughtful, intentional, resourced, and then we need to go after it rather than just trying to press the the square peg of what we've already built through the round Chinese hole. Amen. Uh, I think that's a really important lesson not just for this exercise of building accelerators to drive climate solutions but you know for global affairs shall we say you know we we need a china strategy as the united states as we've sort of re-emerged from four years of whatever that was we just lived through and and get with the program on climate and you know joe biden's got this story of a, a kind of clean energy industrial policy that's coming together but we should look across the pacific to that other enormous great nation that is already running a clean energy industrial policy has been for years and therefore dominates all these sectors is innovating faster harder than we are and how do we partner with that and and collaborate rather than compete so much i mean you know friendly competition fine but this decade demands all of us working together as well as we can and so if you know D3 can be part of that, the bridge building exercise and demonstrate great ways to collaborate and learn from one to the other. It'll be a wonderful result. So glad you got that wisdom and um, shared it with us today. What's the company of the week for this mission log at the derivative? Yeah, so this is a bit of a stretch. So, so bear with me here. It is, of course, the first day of the year of the ox. Um, and the closest company in our portfolio that has an ox relationship um, is Mutrol. It's actually a Swiss startup. Okay but they produce a nutritive uh, a food additive for cattle that uh, results in them producing 40% less greenhouse gas emissions. That is awesome. That's a great <laughs> ox connection. I think that's awesome. But it, it, maybe that's a, that's a tie into the global nature of what we aspire to do. Um, you know, here, you're in Australia right now, I'm in the United States. We're talking about a Swiss startup and the relationship with China. Um, our mantra at the derivative is always that, you know, together and only together, are we going to solve climate? And maybe this is a great microcosm. Amen. You know, with China's meat consumption going up as it has been last decades, that's got to be solved. And and 40% reduction of cow methane, which is 
another word for farts. How do they do it? So, you know, there have been several attempts by other companies, both large and startup, to reduce um, cow emissions. Many of them have kind of failed in the promises that they've delivered, um, and some of them have some significant drawbacks. Uh, Mutrel is still pretty early stage, so I'll just suggest that they have some secret sauce to their nutritional additive that results in both the good outcomes of 40% reductions and without the drawbacks of some of the other, um, other attempts that are out there. Awesome. Well, thanks again for presenting some great learnings and happy new year to you and to everyone. I uh, look forward to doing uh, D3 Mission Log next time. Thank you for viewing the D3 Mission Log podcast. You can find our video podcast on the New Energy Nexus YouTube channel. You can listen to us on all podcast platforms. Please like, subscribe, rate us, and stick around because we've got more coming. Mm -hmm.